Hello. My name is Margo. And I'm Amberly. We are the Hearth and Hedge. Welcome and Merry Meet. Merry Meet. That was my favorite one so far. <laughs> I'm a little challenged when it comes to getting these things started, which is why typically Amberly does it for us. Uh, so, yay, I did it. Good job, Margo. <laughs> Thank you. So, this week's topic what we wish we knew as beginner witches yes amberly do you remember starting out as a beginner i do i do um i i bought that book dancing with dragons Mm -hmm. and read it and was thoroughly overwhelmed (laughs) (laughs) which probably because it's not a beginner book at all yeah i read it recently because you said it was your first one and and the whole time I was like, I can't believe this was her first book. <laughs> well, you know, if you're going to do it, you might as well just fucking do it, I guess. Yeah. Right. Um, well, I didn't really have anyone to tell me uh, what to start with. So yeah. I just saw a pretty book with pretty dragons on it. And I was like, I'm going to get this one. I mean, I was very young. Yeah. Uh, Very much the same experience here. I had no idea where to start because I didn't have anyone um, guiding me. Um, So I really thought that I needed a whole grocery list of things in order to get started. Um, And while I very much enjoyed acquiring those things, I didn't do any witchcraft for a while because I felt like I wasn't ready for several reasons. And I think a lot of people start off that way. A lot of people start off with, unfortunately, misguided concepts based on other people's influences. And it Mm -hmm. takes a while to gain the experience you need to realize, shit, man, I wish I knew that in the beginning. So here are things that we wish we knew as beginner witches. Yeah. Before we crack into it, Margo, what are you drinking? I am drinking, uh, it is from T Forte. And it's really yummy. It is sweet orange spice. Ooh. It's kind of funny because it's, you know, it's July. It's hot outside, but I don't care. Uh, <laughs> this is yummy. Um, it's a warming, fruity, aromatic classic for the holidays and beyond. So, sure. Nice. Uh, <laughs> it's actually black tea, cinnamon, um, orange peel, cinnamon bark, and clove buds. And the, the orange flavor is actually really strong. So it doesn't feel like I'm completely in the wrong season, you know, drinking this. It's actually really enjoyable. How about you? What are you drinking? Um, I'm drinking water. Oh, that's good. <laughs> water is life. It is. Um, but, you know, to make you feel a little bit better about what you're drinking, I did make pumpkin pie spice pancakes the other night. Ooh. So, you know... You can have Christmas in July. You can also have autumn in July. I, uh, oh, the very mention of Christmas in July makes me want to slap someone. Okay. <laughs> Let's move along. <laughs> Dude, this is like my favorite time to watch Hallmark. <laughs> July and December. <laughs> I can't even, I can't even handle December because of Christmas. Let alone people who talk about Christmas in July. It just makes me want to throw things, especially lately. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, Yule, well, you know, growing up, Christmas was always my favorite. So Yule is definitely my jam. 
I do love the winter solstice very, very, very much. Yeah, I get, I geek out. I get like, mm, sometimes I don't even wait for Thanksgiving, man. But I like to put up my my Yule tree on Thanksgiving after we eat Mm -hmm. dinner. And I record every fucking Hallmark movie (laughs) and watch them. (laughs) Okay. Because I I love them. I can respect that. You're just you're just doing what makes you happy. You're doing what makes you happy. That's yeah, fine. you know the thing I love about the Hallmark movies is just that they like you know it's going to have an happy a happy ending. You know it's going to. First, they're going to do something stupid and there's going to be a lack of communication and then there's going to be like a heartwarming scene and then they're all going to be living happily ever ever after. Like that's the sequence of events and you know it. And so, you know at the end of it you're going to be smiling. You know, that's actually why I love horror movies during Halloween season. First, they are going to do something stupid. Then there's going to be a lack of communication. And then they all die. Nobody lives happily ever after. Well, the villain certainly does. Well, not not all the time. Well, not all the time. Sometimes it's the final girl. Yeah. There's got to be a sequel. I mean, if you're Michael Myers, you live happily ever after because that, that motherfucker just doesn't die. Yeah. That's so funny. (laughs) So are you reading anything interesting right now? (laughs) We digress. Um, Yes, I am reading. Actually, I just finished this. It's the Ozark Mountain Spellbook. I just got it from Llewellyn for review. Uh, It's by Brandon Weston. It's about folk magic and healing in the Ozark Mountains. It's so fucking good. Nice. You know how um, sometimes you read a book and it's like the introduction is like, like you just like, get me through the introduction. I want. Right, right, right. Get me to the meat. The introduction of this book was so good. I like wanted it to continue, which I don't remember the last time that has happened. Yeah. A lot of the times it feels like someone wrote the book, gave the information that they wanted to give, you know, and then the introduction as an afterthought needed to be written in order to ease everybody into the rest of the material. Right. It doesn't always, you know, grab you Mm -hmm. that first chapter. Yeah. The introduction of this one starts with a story. I love that. And then, and then it leaves you with a cliffhanger because you're always wondering, well, what happened at the end? You don't ever find out. Oh, but you know, he gives you kind of like some little, some little theories, which I love. And then he talks about modern magic in the Ozark mountains and how the traditions are passed down by mouth. They're not written usually. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's just a really amazing book. I love that he has a lot of correspondences in it. And this is actually a pretty beginner friendly book because it has correspondences of the day of the week and moon correspondences has correspondences of the different plants. Most of the plants of this book are pretty prevalent across the United States, like Arkansas East. Okay. A lot of them won't be found in the West because it's just not the same um, environment. Some of them are. Juniper is one of them, cedar. Mm -hmm. But anyway, it's a great book. I'm I'm really loving it. Uh, I actually requested to review it because my mother and father just moved to the Ozarks and my mom's been having a really hard time. After leaving California, she's been pretty pretty depressed. So I got this to review and then to send to her. Nice. Very nice. So I I think she's going to like it. Yeah. I would hope that that book is available in abundance in that area because I, what I, what I tend to notice when I go to bookstores or even metaphysical shops, 
that there is just a mixed bag. And a lot of people don't realize that they can maybe try to find books that are specifically written about the area that they live in, which isn't always possible, but sometimes, you know, they're around. Uh, It's difficult to really gauge that though. You know, they're not separated by, you know, regional sections. It's usually just a small little section jammed into, you know, one bookshelf in the bookstore, or if it's a metaphysical shop, then they're spread all throughout and it's like the biggest top sellers or the newest releases, you know, Um, it really would be so beneficial to everybody, especially beginner witches, if they were able to get their hands on regionally based beginner books. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if you live in the Ozarks, I absolutely recommend this book. I'm going to do a full review and I'll probably post it on our website, but it is definitely a great book. It's Ozark Mountain Spellbook by Brandon Weston. Excellent. How about you? What do you read in? So I, there's another book that I just recently finished. It is called The Daughters of Temperance Hobbs. Uh, it's, fic- <gasps> it's fiction. It's fiction. I fucking love that book. Yeah. So good. I fucking love that book. Okay, sorry. So it's the sequel to the Physic book of Deliverance Dane, which I went bonkers over when I read it. Absolute bonkers. So when I realized that there was a sequel, The Daughters of Temperance Hobbs, I went bonkers again. And I read the shit out of this book. And it was fantastic. It was so fucking good. It was such a good follow-up to the first book. So if anyone who's unfamiliar, the physic book of Deliverance Dane uh, is about a a woman who is studying for her doctorate. Um, Is she at Harvard? I believe so, because I think she's in Boston, right? Yeah, she lives in that Cambridge area. So she'd be in Harvard. Yes. Harvard. Harvard. (laughs) (laughs) And she stumbles across, basically, she basically falls almost like Alice down the hole into her own family lineage, which covers a whole lineage of witches um, that passed down this book called the physic book of deliverance Mm -hmm. Dane. And it's a really great book. So the daughters of temperance Hobbes is the book that I just finished. It is the sequel where she starts to dig even deeper into the lineage of these women who pass this book along and she finds these little these little tidbits about each of these women these this great grandmother and this great great grandmother and this great 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 grandmother and it is so interesting and so cool and this this girl realizes that you know she has a lot of uh, natural ability that she uh, her, her and her analytical scientific mind uh, reject at first but then she eventually embraces it and it's such just a great story. I highly recommend both books. They're written by Catherine Ho, who has written a ton of really good books. Yes. I think another one was Conversion that I really loved by I her. I have not read that one yet. Oh, that was good. That was so good. So yeah, she's great. If you really want to read some witchy fiction, I highly recommend Catherine Ho. I highly recommend The Deliverance. Uh, I'm sorry, The Physic Book of Deliverance Dane and then The Daughters of Temperance Hobbes. Very good. Very good. I second that notion. Um, I loved about uh, the first book, the the house. I loved the house, and yes. it kind of had its own life. life. Like it was, it was its own being. It was alive. Yeah. It, yes, I fucking love that. Do you remember? Did you read? Thing. Did you read the discovery of witches? Yes. That like that house was alive. That was that, that house was cool. Was crazy. Yeah. That's such a great series. Yeah, that was good too. Yeah. Discovery of witches. I can't decide how I feel about the television adaptation 
Yeah. I'm on the last season of it. And I, I mean, I'm not loving the last season of it. Yeah, I finished it and I, I can understand where you're coming from. So what I always try to do, because I, you know, the book is, the books were fantastic. It was um, The Discovery of Witches. Um, I forgot the, the title of the second book. I know the third book is The Book of Life. The right. second book is, man. Let me just, let me just look right quick. <laughs> okay, it's the All Souls trilogy by Deborah Harkness. Mm-hmm. Um, the second book is Shadow of Night. Shadow of Night. Yes. Okay. So it's the discovery of witches, Shadow of Night, and then the Book of Life. So I loved the series. It was fantastic. So anytime a movie or a TV adaptation comes out, I just try to train my mind. This is just bonus material. This is just bonus material mm-hmm. for the book. Don't get too upset when it does not live up to the book because they hardly, hardly ever do. Right. So that I, I tried not to just take it too seriously. I just sat and enjoyed it. And yeah, there were things that could have been better, mm-hmm. um, but it was still enjoyable for me just because I got to relive some of the experiences of the book again. And that series is the All Souls series by Deborah Harkness. Um, mm-hmm. I'm actually going to add all these. I'm going to add all this shit to our resources page. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, that is a great, great series. I loved it. Loved it. Actually, I turned around and started reading the first book again when I finished the third book. Like, that's how I felt about it, which I don't do that very often. Uh, I think the last time I did that was Harry Potter. So, yeah, admittedly, when I first started reading it, I was a little apprehensive because I had read the Twilight series years prior. And I started to feel like, oh, man, is this another Twilight? And And it is not. It is not. Uh, it is it, is it is very good yeah i i had the same reservations as well I was mm-hmm. like uh, 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 but it doesn't end up being that way there is definitely some serious um uh, like protection from her what's his name from the guy uh, but, it's, lover. but he doesn't like <laughs> yeah he he's not a voyeur you know like it's not super weird and it's, it's not like she's not like it's not Twilight. Yeah. She's a very interesting, dynamic, and powerful mm-hmm. character. Not yeah. a ridiculous dud. <laughs> okay. Let's yeah. let's not completely rip Twilight to shreds. Let's just move along. So. <laughs> fine, fine, fine. Yeah, to be fair, though, I did enjoy the Twilight series. To be fair. I did read yeah. it, and I did fucking enjoy it. Yeah, I flew through it. Of course, I knew that I was just reading purely entertaining material yes. and not you know, a Nobel Prize winner or yeah. not a Nobel, a Pulitzer, Nobel, Pulitzer. What? Could go either way. Whatever. <laughs> Pulitzer. <laughs> I think Nobel is like, you know, life world and... changing. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. All right. Now let's get to the meat of yes. our episode. All right. Do you, do you want to go first? Sure. So Amberly and I both decided to come up with a list of things that we wish we knew as beginner witches, and we did not compare notes until right before this recording when we discovered that we actually managed to both create a list that did not overlap. So that's pretty amazing. Uh, So the first one, my first is number one, it's a two-parter. So the first part is that you do not need to be in a coven to be a witch. So I am not saying that individuals who begin in a coven and train under a coven leader, high priest or priestess are doing it wrong. In fact, I think that's great. 
but not everyone has access to these groups and you absolutely should not feel discouraged because of that. You simply do not need to be in a coven to learn and grow as a practitioner. You might even say that learning in a group setting could sometimes hinder your possibility of developing a highly personalized tradition of your own. Mm -hmm. Some would disagree, but that's how I feel. I'm just saying, don't let it stop you. Don't feel less than, and certainly don't listen to anyone who says you are less than because you're a solitary. I'm a solitary and I wouldn't have it any other way, to be perfectly honest. We, as in Amber Lee and I, are in what we fondly refer to as a coven, but rather than an organized group, you know, that practices and studies together, it's more like a group of like-minded witches who rely on each other for support and friendship, and we share life experiences, and we discuss witchcraft. It's not your traditional coven, I suppose, but I love it. So that brings me to my next point. If you do join a coven, uh, you do not have to stay if you feel like it's not a good fit. If anything takes place that makes you feel uncomfortable, if you're being forced to do literally anything that you don't want to do, or if you feel like you're being taken advantage of, for example, if you're having to pay into being a member and it's feeling like a scam, unfortunately, there are a lot of predators in this territory. So always, always, always honor your personal boundaries and walk away if you're noticing red flags, because like I said before, you don't need them. But if you do find one and you make a connection with the group and you have an opportunity to learn and advance your practice and feel fulfilled, then hell yeah, that's awesome. But if that doesn't happen for you, it is no big deal. Yes, I agree completely. And yeah, so we do, we have this amazing group of of women who we do, we talk to each other daily. I mean, we've talked about them Mm -hmm. on, on here. We talk to each other daily. We give each other support if somebody needs anything, you know, like I'm having a down day. Can you send me some, some energy? We share energy in that way. Uh, we get together when we can. There's a group of us that all live kind of close together. And so we get together when we can. And then, you know, we might do something mm-hmm. like last time we got together, we planned on doing ritual, but guess what? We just hung out and had good food and good fun and good friends. The whole damn um, day was a ritual to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You don't have to have a coven. You can absolutely. I mean, I didn't, I didn't have other witchy friends until, I don't know, a couple of years ago. Yeah. I actually made an attempt at joining a coven a long, long time ago. I think I was, uh, let's see, I was out of high school um, in, I was going to community college and working full time. So I was oh, 19 roundabout and a coworker noticed that I was wearing a piece of jewelry with a pentacle on it. We got to know each other. She was very cool, very nice. We hit it off. We became friends. And then she invited me to come and join her group. Uh, And I was really excited because I, you know, like a beginner witch, um, really thought like, oh, now I'm going to be legit because I'm going to be in a coven. And it was okay. I felt a little out of place. And because I was not actually a member, I wasn't like initiated. I was a guest when I joined them for certain things. So um, I actually, this is ridiculous. I spent a lot of time closed up in the bathroom with the door closed um, because there were things that I basically wasn't allowed to experience, wasn't allowed to participate in, wasn't allowed to see or hear 
So anytime those moments arose, they were like, Margo, we need you to step into the bathroom. <laughs> and I sat in the bathroom with the door closed, bored out of my mind. Like, and it was one of those, like, this is not for you experiences. You know, the mm -hmm. light bulb went on and I was like, I don't think I... Now, I'm not knocking them because, sure, as as a non-initiate, I'm sure they had insider stuff that they didn't want to just give away to any old person, and that's fine. But we also take things as a sign when they feel like a sign, and that was my mm -hmm. sign that this just wasn't for me, and I just I wasn't having a great time, so I, I never really went back. And I've I've been a solitary ever since. And you know, like Amberly said, this group of women that we interact with every single day feels very much like a coven because they feel like sisters and we support each other and we talk about witchcraft, of course, um, but it's not necessarily a meet once a week in practice type coven. Right. It's not your traditional coven that you learn about in, you know, your studies. It's, it's a, I would say, it is an organic coven. Like we came together organically and we work together spiritually in an organic manner. Like we don't, we don't do ritual together. Right. But we do. Right. Every once in a while, somebody will be like, Hey, I got this really big job interview coming up and mm -hmm. I really want this job. And the rest of us will get to work. You know, yeah. we, we work for each other and I yeah. love that. But yeah, we are. And we're, we're spread out throughout the country. So there's no way we're having, you know, meetings. <laughs> yeah. We meet once a year at Anahata's Purpose. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's great because we also are very uh, emotionally supportive of each other. When my sister passed away, some of the, the coven mates got together and bought me some really amazing bereavement gifts and uh, absolutely supported me through everything and, and, we try and do that. So I think that's what a coven should be in my Absolutely. humble opinion, Absolutely. but you don't need one, <laughs> right? which is what we're trying to say here. <laughs> so for me, I think that like we were saying, you know, I got this book that was absolutely overwhelming, not the best first book. Magic is actually accessible. It's accessible to anyone. You don't have to be rich. Um, we've talked about this, you know, you can use you know, spoons from your, from your drawer. You can use birthday candles. You can use, you can use anything for your, for your practice. I know a lot of women who use their kitchen knife to cast circles too, because uh -huh. they use it for everything. And it's about practicality and spirituality all rolled into one. So yeah. it's really about what works for you. Yeah. My kitchen aid is actually one of my biggest magical tools, which seems weird. Like what, which uses a KitchenAid as a magical tool, well, probably a huge amount of us um, mm -hmm. <laughs> because you, you make stuff and you cook stuff in it. So, you know, that's, that's a magical tool you can use, but you don't have to even have things like that. You can use your, your table salt. You can use plain white candles, birthday candles. You know, um, if you get birthday candles, you can get a few different colors for your, and those are super cheap, a dollar fifty for like 20, right? Absolutely. Um, as far as minerals go, you can use a white quartz that is useful in lots of uh, different ways. It's a pretty much like a, a catch-all stone. Um, but if you want to expand into a few other things, you can add rose quartz, amethyst, selenite, and black tourmaline. I would think that that's a pretty well-rounded group right there. I agree. And also, if you want to just focus on 
the color aspect, the color magic associated with those stones, then you could just go outside and look for colors, yeah, you know? For sure. Yeah. Um, and then as far as herbs go, rosemary is a catch-all herb. You can use that for anything. But if you want to add on to that, you know, look in your spice cabinet. You have uh, cinnamon, I'm sure. I'm sure you have chili powder. I'm sure you have garlic. You have oregano. You have basil. You have Italian seasoning. These are all things that have magical correspondences that you can use. You don't have to go out and buy special stuff. Use what you have is what I'm trying to say, which is what makes witchcraft so accessible because you don't have to have all the special stuff work with work with what you have and then you can pick up the cool stuff along the way Mm -hmm. and a lot of the cool stuff is growing outside yes yes yeah that is actually on on my list that you can grow your own spell ingredients or you can use everything around you that's growing already growing around you has a magical property just look it up you know i'm sure you have clover in your lawn Or I do yeah. because we don't we don't care about weeds here. You know we don't believe in them. So uh, dandelions, yeah, grass. <laughs> yeah, we definitely have a victory garden outside. We are not trying to obliterate everything but plain old grass and have like a boomer lawn. We have all kinds of stuff growing yeah. outside, and and I love that, and I prefer that. I do too. All right, your turn. All right, so I'm gonna segue off of that and um, go to this next point just because it kind of is similar to what you just said so in keeping with the idea that you you don't need to go out and buy a lot of stuff um i do have a point about books and it is that a few good reference books will get you far and they are totally worth investing in if and when you can Mm -hmm. i'm not saying that your practice is irrelevant if you can't afford all the books. I'm not saying that at all. In fact, in its simplest form, you really only need yourself to work magic, just like Amberly just said. Um, but if you can invest in a, just a couple good reference books, they can be a huge help in your growth as a witch. You know, we were just talking about that Ozark magic, you know, book. And if you are from that area, there you go. That yeah. I can't think of anything better for you. So if you can find something regional, that is the jam. Um, But otherwise, I have a couple recommendations. I went through my book collection, which at this point in my life is pretty extensive, and just picked out ones that I thought were really good, like good reference starter type books, providing information that is useful to just about anybody or something that you can reach for frequently. So they are um, the Encyclopedia of 5,000 Spells by Judica Isles. Uh, It is great a great one literally has 5,000 spells y'all. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have plant witchery by Juliet Diaz. Now I have a few plant encyclopedia type books, and this is by far my favorite um, protection and reversal magic by Jason Miller. Um, now there are lots of protection magic books out there. This is just the one that I recommend. There's also um, the witch's shield by Christopher Penzak. Um, there's um Blackthorn's Protection Magic by Amy Blackthorn. There are many. This is just one that I pulled off my shelf as my favorite recommendation. I have Drawing Down the Moon by Margot Adler. Uh, I think that is a very useful book if you want to know about the history of the witchcraft movement. Um, I have Llewellyn's Big Book of Correspondences. 
it's one of my favorite go-tos. Um, a more recent favorite is New World Witchery by Corey Thomas Hutchinson. Uh, it has a lot to do with all the folk traditions that you can find all over the country. Uh, and I have Six Ways by Aiden Watcher. I could keep going. I tried really hard to keep this list short. Um, if you already have some books that you really enjoy and have learned a lot from, then good, stick with them. But if you want some suggestions, those are mine. So this was another two-parter. And the second part is that the best teacher is still actually experience, including mistakes. Mm -hmm. It's really important to just try things out, experiment and learn from trial and error. Um, which I understand can be a bit daunting, but experience, even failure, can be your absolute best teacher. Many of us have fallen into the habit of being what is referred to as an armchair witch, um, which is when we read all the things and develop a big old brain for magic, but haven't put any of it into practice. We haven't used the things that we've learned. And we do ourselves a disservice when we let that happen. So do some spells, hold some rituals, go out and make contact with plant and nature, uh, nature spirits. These experiences are so, so valuable uh, in your education. For sure. For sure. And that kind of segues into you should go out and learn what you do have around you and learn the correspondences of the things that you have around you. But not just, I mean, correspondences are something that you really should learn across the board. And this is something that I have not really kept up on. Like I, off the top of my head, can't tell you which day of the week is for what all the time, you know, or what you're supposed to do on, you know, which, which moon or, you know, so, so I'm actually, as, as you guys learn with us, I'm learning as well, which is wonderful. Uh, but correspondences are really important. You, I mean, you should be able to, when you're, when you're cooking, for instance, when you're putting garlic in, you should know that's a great protector salt is a great cleanser and a great protector you know just remember those sorts of things so that as you're building your practice uh you know what to use when so correspondences are for sure i think the most important thing and that the willems book of correspondences is a great one also so i actually just got this book today which i'm really really excited about it's scott cunningham's kitchen witchery correspondence book it's wicca in the kitchen encyclopedia of wicket in the kitchen and it has some great lists of correspondences in here and i am so excited to crack this open i know that margo already had this book so she can probably tell you more about it but i'm really excited about that one yeah it's another fantastic correspondence book <laughs> he, he you know he has several correspondence encyclopedias that have been out for many, many years. And he has been um, very often considered quite the authority on correspondences. So it's a great place to start. And, you know, we're not saying that you have to sit and memorize all the correspondences because this information is going to stick um, specifically as you just do, as you practice, as, as you do the work, the information will start to become secondhand. Right. Uh, um, and you can also start to develop your own correspondences because not everything makes sense to everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, you might find that you did a spell and clove worked better for you as like a really intense protective, you know, aid than like, say, red pepper. You know, that is what works for you because you are a unique human being and everybody's UPG is going to be different. But developing a base, a baseline of correspondences that 
eventually becomes natural is going to help you get really far. Yeah. Totally. And, and one thing I would suggest, and I'm not trying to push kitchen witchery. It's just my bag. That's what I do. That's my bag. Find some of your favorite recipes that you already know the recipe by heart and write down the correspondences for the ingredients in that recipe, because then you'll be able to remember those correspondences easier. Yeah. And it's something that you enjoy to make all, you know, already. So it will just add another layer of enjoyment and uh, help you help you learn some things. Absolutely. Yeah. That actually leads me to another one of mine. This is really great. We're just bouncing off each other. Woo. (laughs) Um, So one of my points is on animism and how approaching the world with an animist point of view and eventually adopting animism as a personal belief will make your practice as it pertains to the world around you make much more sense. It will make it come alive and it'll really open everything up to you. Um, For anybody who just in case doesn't know, animism is the belief that everything is inhabited by spirit. All the plants that you work with have spirit. The crystals and minerals that you work with have spirit. Your home, your house has a spirit. The trees outside have spirit. You know, once you adopt that belief, it really opens you up to so many more aspects of your practice. And I, I personally think more things make sense once you start to work from an, animist, from an animistic point of view. It's my belief that you really should develop and nurture your relationship with the land, especially the land where you live, your genus loci, um, the plants that you work with, animals, because spirit is absolutely everywhere. And getting a firm grasp on this concept working from that point will essentially fast track your basic understanding of the nature of this world that we live in. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a quick, it's a short one, but it's actually like, if you haven't already started out from that point of view, it'll take a bit of work, but you'll get there. Honestly, it's, it's just, it'll just open up that, open up that, uh, that gray bean inside your skull. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Oh, okay. So since we're talking about anim- animism, I'm going to kind of twist it a little bit, not the animism part, but just I'm going to make it work for my segue. <laughs> so I often go to secondhand stores, antique stores, things like that. And I that's where I get the majority of my magical tools. And the reason I'm saying this has something to do with animism is if you do that, remember that these things actually have a spirit and they have lived previous lives and you're going to want to cleanse them, but do not snooze on goodwill, you know, thrift Mm -mm. stores, antique stores, garage sales. Oh yeah. Like there are tons of ways that you can get your ritual tools for pennies on the dollar. I think I don't own, I maybe own two or three candles, candle holders that cost more than 99 cents. So you can definitely find some great stuff. And you know what the cool thing about Goodwill is all of their stuff is color coordinated. So if you're like, yeah. I need to go in and I need to get a red tray or, you know, whatever color, you can go in and guess what? They have a whole last aisle of red. It, <laughs> it is fantastic. It is fantastic. Yeah. And you know what? I, lo- I love, I love metaphysical shops and I love supporting small businesses, especially metaphysical shops. But let me tell you, they are expensive. They sure can be. They can be very expensive. 
So do yourself a favor and check out the local Goodwill. Yeah. Check out the local thrift stores. Absolutely. Yeah, sometimes um, you can even find stones at yeah. the local Goodwill or the local thrift stores. Um, Margo and I And don't snooze on the dollar store. That's right. That's right. I mean, I'm not a big, you know, mass market kind of person, but dollar store has some great spell jars, all kinds of stuff. Uh, and I definitely shop there. <laughs> yeah. Seven, seven day candles out the ass. Right. Yeah. Just open a window when you burn those. <laughs> right. But don't, don't spend $25 on a seven day candle, by the way. Don't. don't do it. Oh God. Craziness. Oh, Margo and I went, when she was down here visiting me, uh, we went into a kid's store, a toy store. Oh, and because it was a toy store and not a metaphysical shop, in the back, they had like this really cool section for making like little tiny sensory boxes. And they had stones for super cheap. Unbelievable. The prices were insane. Just because we were not specifically at a crystal shop yeah. or a metaphysical shop, the prices were blowing my mind. I got a, a hunk of pyrite the size of my face. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I... It, it was absolutely like five five percent of what I would have paid for it at a metaphysical shop. Yeah, was, unbelievable. What was it, black kyanite that we bought. Yeah, we bought a bunch of black kyanite. I got a big hunk a piece, of which is insane. Yeah, I got a big hunk of green fluorite for five dollars. Unbelievable, amazing. So look in the non traditional area places for for your metaphysical tools and supplies absolutely that is actually if you take anything from me from this that is the one thing think outside of the box on how you get your tools because you can absolutely get everything you need for next to nothing if you just do a little bit of digging absolutely so my next point is that you don't need a label you know i see a lot of really cute visual content about like, you know, say on Instagram, uh, about like sea witch aesthetics and green witch aesthetics and I don't know, lunar witch characteristics. And they are really fun to look at. Bottom line, I love all things witchy, including these cute little memes. However, they often give beginner witches the idea that they have to figure out which label uh, is for them, what kind of witch they are. You know, uh, I never would have been able to figure out what kind of a witch I am in the beginning of my practice. Mm -hmm. uh, you're just a witch. You don't need that label and you certainly don't need to close yourself off to many other facets of magical practices because you've consigned yourself to this one very narrow path. Right. Uh, if you live by the sea and find that you feel powerful at the shore and working with the ocean is an absolute necessity, then yeah, you may be the exception. And if you want to call yourself a sea witch, you absolutely should. And, you know, wear that label with pride. Good for you. But it's not necessary. And it shouldn't define you if you also want to dip into other paths and take a more rounded approach to your magical practice. You absolutely don't have to figure out what kind of witch you are. And this is not to talk, this is not to say about like folk practices that are handed down by generation to generation, regional practices, or even like closed practices, because that's that's different. What I'm talking about is you know, am I a green witch or am I a lunar witch or am I a sea witch or am I um, 
a hearth witch or am I a, I don't know. There's just so many. And they're yeah. honestly, the, the, the Instagram posts are really cute and I love looking at them, but you don't need to label yourself yeah. and you don't need to lim- limit your, your range of study and practice based on anything like that. And also I, as, as an experienced witch now, I look at them sometimes and I'm like, well, I don't do that, but I feel like I'm, you know, this kind of a witch sometimes. And right. it, it doesn't define you. That's not, so like most of the time I'm a kitchen witch because I'm always in my kitchen. But when I step outside and I work in my garden, I'm a green witch. When I'm working with the moon, you could call me a moon witch. Right. I'm just a witch. I really, um, I really love the idea of hedge witchery, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't say I'm just a hedge witch and leave it at that and never venture beyond that definition. Right. Because I don't want to, I want to do all the things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's so much fun to learn and to experience things and mm-hmm. not just be stuck. Don't pigeonhole yourself. Yes. Which segues into my next thing. Uh, magic is a skill, just like any other skill. Some people are born as great dancers and they just become better and better and better and better. Some people become great dancers that didn't start off as great dancers, but they worked Mm -hmm. at it. So they built that skill. There are witches that were born witches that just grew up with, you know, static coming out of their fingers and they can make, they can do magic easily. It comes easily to them. But if you're not that person, that's okay because magic is a skill and you practice it as you practice your magic you will get better at it. Absolutely. That's just, it's just like any other thing that you do in your life. You have to practice. That's why it's called a practice. So uh, don't be discouraged if things don't work out immediately because that's not, that doesn't happen for everyone. And it it does not happen for the majority of people. Yeah. You are not going to go outside and immediately call a rainstorm. (laughs) It is not going to happen. Um, But you can absolutely grow and change based on the amount of effort that you put into your practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like everything else in life, you got to do the work. Just like you can't do be an armchair witch work. and, and expect anything to happen. I often find myself in that spot because I do read so much. And, um, since I've been doing so many reviews and everything, I read way more, but I have to force myself to get up and actually do, do the work. Actually, this morning, I was like, I have not done my daily practice in weeks. So I forced myself to do daily practice today. And after I did it, it felt so good. You got to do the work. Yeah. You know what? I didn't have that on my list and I don't think you had it on your list either, but it will. I honestly think that it could benefit. If you're not into it, you're not into it and that's fine. But I think that developing a daily practice Hmm. is something that is a great benefit to you. Yeah. And it can be as simple as lighting one candle on your altar and pulling a tarot card. Yeah. It can be as elaborate as saying a a whole handful of prayers and, you know, lighting several candles and doing a ritual. Um, or it can be as simple as going outside and tending your garden and doing so with intention. Mm-hmm. Like, but I think I should have added to, to my list. Think about developing a daily practice. Yeah. It will keep keep you attuned to your path. Yeah. And if you're new to our podcast and you need some ideas, we have a whole episode about daily practice. 
Yes, we do. Oh, we do. I see what you did there. <laughs> um, so definitely um, think about that. And for me, I said it on the daily practice thing uh, episode, picking my coffee mug in the morning is usually the first thing I do for my daily practice because today was Mercury Day. So I chose a mug based on Mercury Day, not fucking Mercury. What is today? Thursday. It's Jupiter Day. It's Jupiter Day. Oh, Sorry, Jupiter. you failed the jupe troop. I know. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry Rachel. <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> um, but the color of the day today was blood red. So guess what color my mug was? <laughs> yeah, that blood is red. interesting. That blood red is the color of the day on Thursday. I know it didn't make much sense, but Coco said it, and so I did it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Coco is our the authority on ma- on uh, color magic. Yeah, We're gonna have her on here the one of these days. You, you agree with the color because that's the way it is. Um, but yeah, daily practices are they can be super fun too. Yeah, yeah, I actually really enjoy it. I don't do it every single day. the The goal is to do it every single day, but you know, <sighs> goals. Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> they're called goals for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did do it yesterday and today and felt fantastic. Nice. Good job. So I just have one more. Do you have a, do you have a couple more? Or... I actually, we, I kind of like smushed all mine together. So, right. I'm, so I'm pretty good. I think I have one that's good to end on because it's very, uh, I guess I'm going to get up on a soapbox for this one. It's okay. <laughs> uh, Preach, okay. So. I want to talk about toxic positivity because I feel like beginner witches can be very vulnerable to this. Mm -hmm. And there are even some people who function in this just ridiculous space who actually prey on beginner witches. And some people might not like hearing this, but I have to say it. A witch is a spiritual person. That's an obvious, you know, little tidbit. Well, A truly spiritual person is not all love and light all the time. Mm -hmm. A truly spiritual person knows better than to ignore the darkness because it is there and it is coming whether we like it or not. Toxic positivity is damaging and spiritually bypassing yourself now will only hurt you later. Like, is it better to tend to the weeds in your garden or pretend like they don't exist and let them overgrow and overtake everything better yet how about acknowledging those weeds and realizing that some of them have very important plant medicine that they can provide you with so when you eventually encounter someone who wants to convince you that everything bad that has happened in your life is due to you having a low vibration and everything will get better if you just have good vibes only run Please just ignore these absolute fools because convincing yourself that everything is great does not make everything great. Mm -hmm. Doing the work, working through your trauma, helping yourself heal, acknowledging and honoring your shadow self and learning to cope with life with a healthy approach will. Those people are nuts. Yeah. (laughs) It is okay to not be okay. In fact, it is healthy to acknowledge that you are not okay and to figure out how you can work through it. Yeah. You will co- you will come to greener pastures and then you will come to muck again. And then after that you'll come to more greener pastures. That is the way life works. Yeah. 
manure is a good uh, fertilizer. fertilizer. Yeah. So I do, um, just like I said, when I was talking about covens, how unfortunately in this community, um, some, some might prey on you. I feel like these, you know, love and light, good vibes only types can sometimes prey on beginner witches as well. Mm -hmm. So that's why I felt like it needed to be said here. Darkness is real. You can work with it. Yeah. And it's a, it's a healthy thing to do. Yeah. There is no, um, there's no such thing as a white witch. No, that's bullshit. And actually not to get too far into it, but the whole concept of black magic and white magic is uh, honestly, it's ra- it's rooted in racism and anti-intellectualism and pure ignorance. So yeah. th- let's not even do that. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. All right. So now that we got all that squared away, I have something I would like to talk about that is actually positive Woo-hoo! and not in a toxic <laughs> way. In a fucking awesome way. <laughs> I would like to acknowledge our two new Patreon patrons. Yay! I would like to say a big hearty welcome and thank you to Samantha G and Lisa G, our new patrons. <sighs> we love you. We, we love, love you. you. Thank you so much for supporting us. Every time we get a little bit of support, I have to, like, I get pretty giddy. <laughs> Like, oh my God, somebody likes us. (laughs) It feels so good. It does feel so good. So uh, thank you, Samantha and Lisa, for supporting us. We appreciate you very, very much. Absolutely. You guys fucking rock. The Casbah. It's such a great (laughs) song. We also have another really cool announcement. Uh, something that we have been talking about for a while now, um, but it was uh, formally announced on social media today as we're recording. Um, this specific episode won't be out for uh, a week and a half to two weeks, but um, today it was formally announced on social media. Uh, listen to how redundant I'm being. So we're going to talk about it. We're going to announce it. So the Hearth and Hedge is going to have a space at Anahata's Purpose this year. Yeah! Uh, Not only that, we'll we'll be having a space and we will be leading a full moon ritual on the harvest moon. So fucking excited. Yes. So we are doing it. It is open to anyone who wants to attend. Uh, It will be taking place on the night of the harvest moon, which I believe is the Saturday night at Anahata's Purpose. Mm -hmm. Amberly and I will be leading the ritual. It will be a water ritual because we wanted everyone to be able to take something with them from the ritual. So if you attend and take part, you will have a bottle of full moon water infused with our magical intentions to take with you. And it's going to be awesome. Yeah, that's good. Not only that, not only that, we will have a tent space. Um, and in our tent space, uh, we are going to set it up so that um, there will be a community altar uh, where you can feel free to come. Uh, you can place some meaningful objects at the altar if you want to. You can pull cards at the altar. You can meditate. You can say prayers, do daily practice, whatever you're comfortable with. It is a safe space for you to do that. And finally, and this is just for people who were at the 
mini Anahata's retreat. If you're listening, we will actually be having an event at our tent where the attendees from the mini Anahata's retreat will come and get reacquainted with each other and just basically discuss, you know, how life has been since the retreat, um, how they have applied the things that they've learned, and if anything has changed for the better since then. And Amberly and I will be in and out of the tent. You know, we also want to go to as many workshops as we possibly can, but we'll try to, you know, get our arses to that tent and hang hang around as much yeah. as we possibly can also. But we'll see you there if you're there. Yeah, we'll see you there. And if you recognize us, say hello. Hello. <laughs> hello. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my beautiful witches. Yeah. Um, thank you for joining us again today. Oh, we should do a spell. Oh, fuck. And pull, and pull an oracle. Jesus we, this is, we only do it every I single know. episode. Okay. All, right. All right. All right. I'll start okay. with the, the card. Sure. Okay. So today I pulled from the Priestess of Light Oracle deck by Sandra Ann Taylor and Kimberly Weber. I've used this one before, so it is on our resources page. It is absolutely stunning. Love this book. Uh, nice or this deck and today's card is adjustment looking back and moving forward the priestess of wisdom pauses looking over her shoulder as she receives owl guidance about adjustments to make before moving forward when this card appears in your spread pay attention to the cards placed on either side for these represent issues you need to be considering now this card marks a pause in your energy, a time to contemplate what you've been doing and determine if any changes would be, would prove beneficial. Reflection and course correction now are wiser than charging full steam ahead. The owl has extraordinary vision and it can adjust its focus from telescopic to microscopic in an instant. In fact, it is always adjusting, always ready to redirect its path for a more effective result. This card is suggesting that you do the same. Review your previous choices to determine what has worked for you. Look ahead to see what changes can accelerate your plan's fruition. This could call for some patience and courage, for you may have to shift or even abandon the path that has been your primary focus. But take note of the bright light from the right, the future, pouring into the priestess of wisdom's left hand, the hand of receiving, as well as the orbs there and at her third eye. She is guided in her adjustments by the clarity and vision of the owl, as well as being directed into the future by the light orbs of the spirit world. You too can be so guided when you let yourself stop, reconsider, adjust, and move peacefully forward with trust. The affirmation for this card is, it is safe for me to stop and reconsider my path and process. I am patient and courageous in the choices and changes I make. I love that. Very appropriate. Yes. Very appropriate. So the spell that I want to share in keeping with the theme for this episode being uh, beginner witches, and then also, you know, recalling a book that I referenced, um, I decided to go with a home protection spell, because I think that when you're starting out, you really should focus on getting your protection magic down. And not only that, but protection magic is such a great way to practice because, you know, how often can you really fuck that up? You're not going to blow up your house because you did something weird with your protection spell. At worst, it just doesn't, isn't that effective and you learn that and then you adjust or try something new. So I went with a home protection spell and I did find this one in the Encyclopedia of 5,000 Spells by Judica Isles. So... 
for this home protection spell. It says, envious neighbors, too many passers-by gazing at your house. This spell is particularly effective when undergoing construction work on a home. Attach a red ribbon to a hand of bananas and some rue. If you don't have rue, you could also use a sprig of rosemary. Uh, Add some evil eye beads if you'd like. And hang the whole shebang shebang (laughs) outside of the house until the bananas have completely gone rotten. Once they have, you can burn or bury everything, uh, but do not bring them back inside the home. Repeat this as needed. Love it. That's an interesting one. I think I'm going to try it, but I'm going to try it. Uh, I'm going to try it outside of my back door. Nice. <laughs> because when the mail lady comes, <laughs> I call. <laughs> okay, well, she might be now. like, what's with the bananas? <laughs> Yeah, what I really like about that one is you don't have to have a ton of stuff. I mean, everybody has bananas. Yes. And if you don't have rue, which I never have rue, I should probably get rue, but I have rosemary. I love rue, but I only have it in its dried, broken up form Mm -hmm. because I will sprinkle it, you know, or something. So if I were to do this spell, I would use a sprig of rosemary. Yeah, I would too. Or a sprig of another protective herb. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's great. What is it that What is it that you recently told me about? Uh, garlic skins. Yes. What did I say about them? You can use them in protection spells. Yes. Where do I? The have? skins of garlic that you peel off. Yeah, save those because you can use those in protection spells. There was more to it, but I don't remember. Garlic keeps away vampires. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, we already made our announcements. <laughs> so this is, we've come to the part of the episode where we just stare at each other blankly. Yeah. And make, make going home noises. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you again. Um, yes. Thank you all. <laughs> yes. For sticking with us through all of this time <laughs> and continuing to come back. We appreciate you. We are grateful. We are grateful to you. Alrighty. We'll see you next time. See you next time. (laughs) You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at The Hearth and Hedge, on our website, thehearthandhedge.com, or you can email us at thehearthandhedge at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, consider leaving a review wherever you get your podcasts. We also have a Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash the hearth and hedge. Um, we, uh, Amberly and I, I mean, are in fact, we fondly refer to our coven. Um, sorry, let me try that again. We, uh, ugh, let me try that again. <laughs> Okay, so today I pulled from the priestess from the priestess of light oracle deck. Oh my god, I just had the most crazy deja vu ever. Hmm. Timeline jumping, man! Timeline jumping. So not not only that. Oh my god, it's still happening. I'm still having deja vu. <laughs> <laughs>
I just got here, guys. I just got here. What color was Britney Spears' skirt? Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> okay. So 